This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. I preached a very long sermon this morning. Um, I was going to preach the same sermon again tonight, and then I thought, just got to keep it fresh. I'll get bored if I just say the same words a second time. Um, So some of the slides, some of the content will overlap with what you got this morning, and some of it you'll see. It goes goes somewhere different. Um, But I start in the same place, and that is on the world's greatest web service, ChatGPT. Is anyone, anyone a fan of ChatGPT? Uh, I, I, I talked about ChatGPT this morning and then I discovered after the sermon uh, that some of the people in the room had no idea what I was talking about. I feel like this demographic, you might have more chance of knowing ChatGPT is an AI. You can type questions or just have a conversation and it will talk back to you. Um, it's supposedly really smart. So I asked it, what happens to you after you die? What happens when you die? And this is the wisdom of ChatGPT. According to different cultural and religious beliefs, there are various ideas about what happens after death. Here are some of the most common beliefs. Number one, in many religions it is believed that the soul or spirit of a person departs from their body and enters another realm or afterlife. The nature of the afterlife can vary depending on the religion, with some believing in reincarnation while others believe in heaven or hell. Number two, from a scientific perspective, after death, the body undergoes a process called decomposition. The body's cells no longer receive oxygen and nutrients, causing the organs to shut down. The bacteria in the gut and other parts of the body begin to break down the tissues and organs. Eventually, the body will decompose into its basic elements. It's important to note that what happens after death is still largely unknown, and many of the beliefs surrounding it are based on personal or religious beliefs rather than scientific evidence. What do you think? Is ChatGPT done all right? Sounds like a good answer. Not sure. Um, I googled it and, and a, lot of, a lot of other people say similar things, which is probably how ChatGPT learnt this stuff, um, just reading the internet as it does. Um, and obviously you don't have to choose between these two viewpoints. I mean, people who aren't into religion or spirituality or whatever probably don't like number one. Um, But if you are, then you can probably go with one and two. It's not like you have to pick between them. Uh, And I suppose you would assume, the Bible being a religious book, uh, that if you read the Bible, you'd find something kind of similar to point number one there. The nature of the afterlife can vary depending on the religion with some believing in reincarnation while others believe in heaven or hell. Uh, Just in case you don't know, as Christians we don't believe in reincarnation. Uh, We do believe in heaven and hell. Um, Yeah, it sounds about right, doesn't it? Well, let me show you. I want to read uh, 1 Corinthians 15 verses 20 to 26. It says this, Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the first fruits, then when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. 
The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Now, I would argue that this is substantially different to the so-called religious viewpoint uh, that ChatGPT came up with. There is no mention here of a soul or spirit departing from the body to enter another realm, as ChatGPT put it. And I think it's easy for us to kind of just assume, because of our culture, uh, because of what stuff on TV looks like, uh, that, you know, I'm a Christian, I believe that, you know, Jesus gives me eternal life, uh, it must be like that, a soul or spirit departing from the body to enter another realm. But this says something different. Uh, this says something that we, we have a special word for, that ChatGPT, interestingly, doesn't use, which is the word resurrection. Uh, we've, we've sung three songs about it already, uh, so I think you know what it means. Um, the resurrection is Jesus coming back to life after he died on the cross. And the word resurrection in the Bible is kind of the key word for what happens to you after you die. If you ask the Bible the question, I asked ChatGPT, what happens to you after you die? The one word answer would be resurrection. Did you know that? A lot of people guess that the word would be heaven but it's not. In fact, the word heaven appears hundreds of times through the Bible, and it never once appears in any kind of version of the phrase, go to heaven when you die. That is not the way that word is ever used. The word heaven is used in the Bible to talk about the place where God is on the throne, the place that God, the realm that God rules the universe from. You know, we, we believe that God made the world, uh, that God exists outside of the thing that he made uh, beyond creation uh, in this kind of spiritual realm that we call heaven. God didn't create heaven for you to go to when you die. Heaven is God's place, not yours, not mine. And in fact... What the Bible is saying is that heaven is not our final destination. If, if, in fact, we go there when we die, we don't stay there. We just wait there. We wait for something new, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, this might all sound new to you. It might sound like heresy. Uh, so let's keep digging in. Um, the reason that we know that resurrection is kind of the key idea, uh, is because of Easter, which we just did a few weeks ago. You might remember it. The bunnies, chocolate, that kind of thing. Yeah? Cool. Um, not that Easter. Uh, the Easter of Jesus dying on the cross, and on the third day, the stones rolled away, and he comes out of the tomb, and he is alive, resurrected. Um, earlier in this chapter of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, uh, Paul says this, For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, 
that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures and that he appeared to Cephas, which is another name for Peter, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep, which is just his polite way of saying they're dead. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me, Paul, also, as to one abnormally born. So Paul is saying, look, Jesus really did rise from the dead. These Corinthians, they live in a place called Corinth. It's not exactly a stone's throw from Jerusalem or Galilee or any of those kinds of places where Jesus was hanging out. Uh, They probably weren't there on that Easter to be an eyewitness to what happened. And so Paul wants them to know, this is trustworthy. What I told you when I was last with you, he's writing them a letter, but he used to hang out with them in person, and he's saying, what I told you when I was with you is trustworthy. You can trust that this really did happen. How can you trust it? Well, not just because I saw Jesus, but because Peter saw Jesus, and then the rest of the 12 disciples saw Jesus, and then after that, he appeared to more than 500 people in that time between his resurrection and ascension to heaven. And, and Paul points out, because this letter was written, you know, well within a lifetime of these events, he's like, most of those 500 are still alive, which is to say, if you don't believe me, ask them. Say to them, what did you see? What was he like, this risen person, this resurrected person. It's incredible. Someone died, was properly actually dead, and rather than their body decaying, he came alive. Jesus's afterlife, his life after death, is not a soul departing a body and going to a disembodied other realm for the afterlife. Jesus' afterlife, if you want, is a physical, real body raised from the dead, which is why Paul can say this. Jesus is the first fruits. It's kind of a weird word, isn't it? Do you know what that means? First fruits. Do you know what it means, Emmanuel? You're a farmer? <laughs> yeah, it's the best. It's, it's, the bit, it's the bit you harvest first when it's just fresh and ripe and good. And you can taste the first fruits and know the rest of the harvest is going to come in as you keep harvesting. Uh, we, we don't use that word that much. I, I figured that if I was doing a translation... Uh, that the Johnny version of the Bible would use a word like trailblazer. You know, he's the one who went first so that everyone else can follow after. He's the one who got the whole show started. What Paul is saying is, the thing that happened to Jesus that Easter morning is going to happen to you and to me and to anyone who believes in Jesus. To anyone who wants to follow after Jesus they will get the same thing. 
Did you know that? Think about what you know about that Easter story, about the resurrection. Uh, if, you, if you don't know much, you can go to your Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all talk about it. Jesus walked with people, he talked with people, he ate with people, he ate breakfast on the beach with his disciples, he had a bit of fish, freshly caught, good stuff. It's really obvious when you read it. This is not a ghost. This is a real, solid, physical person who rose from the dead in a body with skin and bones, and and he's even still got the wounds in his hands and his feet and his side where the spear pierced his body. This is a real, physical body, and the disciples get to see and touch and interact with this real-life, alive person. It's not a disembodied soul or spirit departing the physical world to inhabit a different spiritual realm. This is what resurrection means. So when the Bible says that resurrection is the key word that answers the question, what happens to you after you die, this is the definition. Jesus, resurrection. Let me take you, we're going to fast forward to the end of the Bible. Revelation chapter 21. What's the second last chapter? But you get the idea. Right at the very end of the Bible, there's this picture, uh, this vision that this guy John has of what the last day at the very end of time will be like. This picture in chapter 21 of Revelation Um, Let me read it. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. I lost my spot. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them, and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. One of the seven angels said to me, Come and I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And it's a beautiful promise from God. This is a new start, a new existence. He calls it a new heaven and a new earth, but maybe we could say it's a renewed heaven and a renewed earth, and it's full of renewed people, resurrected people, dwelling forever with God in perfect intimacy 
And uh, this is an incomplete picture. This is kind of like a, a little sketch. It's, it's a, a metaphor for a thing that can't be really put into words in any other way. It's hard to imagine. It's hard to comprehend. Uh, it was so hard for the angel to explain it to John that the angel gave John these wild pictures and images. The way I look at it is like this. We're so used to living with the things that are normal to us. Our experience of time passing, of things getting old and wearing out. Death is normal. Decay is normal. Sickness and trouble and grief are normal. And the promise is that all of those things will end on that last day. When we are resurrected, we will live in a completely different kind of existence that is hard to get your head around. Like, what does it look like to live in a body, in a universe where endings no longer exist? I have no idea. (laughs) That's helpful, isn't it? You're like, I'm going to get all the answers tonight at church. Um, I don't think Paul had any idea. I don't think John had any idea. I don't think any of us with our mortal minds can comprehend what immortality means. And when we just try and think of it as normal life, but it goes on and on and on forever and ever 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 and ever, it's like, that sounds exhausting. Doesn't it? I don't know, it weirds me out. We've been doing this four-week series. It ends tonight on the aftermath of the resurrection. Uh, in fact, that's the title. The aftermath, the resurrection changes everything. And the aftermath of the resurrection of Jesus, I'm saying tonight, the aftermath of his resurrection is our resurrection. There is a direct connection between the two. The power of his resurrection was that he defeated death once and for all. And the defeat of death that happened 2,000 years ago as that stone rolled away from the tomb and Jesus walked out alive and renewed and immortal and transformed. And he appeared to to Peter and the disciples and those 500 eyewitnesses. And that was the moment. But also... This will be the moment. And we live in this in-between time where death has been defeated and yet death has not yet been defeated. The first fruits have been harvested, but not the whole harvest, to use that analogy. Right now, we still experience a life full of death and decay. We live in perishable bodies, mortal bodies. We get sick, we get old, we die. But we know, because we know that Jesus is alive, that we too will be given bodies like his. 
imperishable and immortal. That we will one day understand and experience the end of death in all its forms. Do you see that? There will be no death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. That's our hope. Our sure and certain hope. That's the thing we can look forward to every day. Zach, very helpfully, talked about remembering. Similar, but different. It's kind of like remembering something that hasn't happened yet. We call that hope. If you belong to Jesus, then you have the hope of resurrection. The victory of Jesus over death is yours. Does the band want to come up? Thank you, band. Let's pray. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, I started tonight praising you uh, for your death and resurrection. Uh, Lord, I want to I pray that prayer again in light of everything we just looked at in your word. Lord, we praise you. We praise you and we thank you that you died for us and that you rose again, that you defeated death. Lord, help us to live in light of that, to live with the hope of that in our hearts, to celebrate it every day. Lord, I pray that uh, knowing what the end is going to look like uh, will help us face this troubled time in the in-between. Lord, that we can know that no matter how hard it gets, it's temporary and that a better thing is just around the corner. Lord, help us to be filled with that spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus, empowered and strengthened to follow you every day, to face every trial, knowing that you are victorious and that you will be ultimately victorious and that we share in your victory. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.